ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد we're going to begin a new series of classes inshallah ta'ala and it's going to be a book which is about overall aqidah it will be talking about the six principles of iman it will talk about kufr and shirk and the different types it has chapters about magic and those issues about the day of judgment and all the things that are going to happen a lot of different chapters about aqidah iman all of the basics that a muslim needs to have that is the class or the series of classes we're going to do inshallah ta'ala today is an introduction into all of that an introduction about aqidah about tawheed about shirk about the belief of a muslim the da'wah of the prophets and messengers so that we have a background to be able to study the book of aqidah that we're going to study from next week inshallah ta'ala the beginning chapter so when it comes to understanding aqidah and tawheed and the basics of them we already know that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent all of the prophets and messengers with that same message of teaching the people exactly this tawheed and warning the people from exactly its opposite shirk that was all of the prophets and messengers from the first one nuh alayhi salam to the last one muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam all of them were sent with that same core message to bring the people to tawheed and to warn them against shirk how do we know that how do we know that every single prophet and messenger was sent with that core message because Allah told us in the Quran وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةِ الرَّسُولَ أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاشْتَنِبُوا الطَّاهُوتِ When Allah mentioned that we sent to every nation a messenger preaching to them أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاشْتَنِبُوا الطَّاهُوتِ worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and abstain refrain stay away from the false deities 
And in fact, when you examine the Quran, you will notice that there is a pattern when it comes to talking about Tawheed. There is always the affirmation of Tawheed to worship Allah upon Tawheed, but then there is always the negation with it to abstain from, to stay away from shirk. And that is exactly what La ilaha illallah is. An nafyu wal ithbat. La ilaha illallah. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth. That is a nafi, the negation. Illallah, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is the ifbat, the affirmation. And throughout the Quran, you find exactly that principle of affirmation and negation. Even in the ayah that we just mentioned, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةِ الرَّسُولَ أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاهُودِ That we sent to every nation a messenger preaching, worship Allah, stay away from the false deities. Worship Allah is an affirmation. Stay away from the false deities is the negation. You have to have both parts for Tawheed to be correct. You have to affirm that Allah has the right to be worshipped alone. And you have to reject, negate the worship of all other deities besides Allah. Allah mentioned in the Quran also as an example, وَاعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and do not associate any partners to him. When the prophets, they used to say to their people, يَا قَوْمِ يَا قَوْمِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَهٍ غَيْرُهُ O oh people, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do not have any deity to worship besides Him. Worship Allah, affirmation. You have no other deity in truth to worship, negation. So all of that is the example of the same thing, the affirmation and negation. It's very important to understand that because Tawheed can only be built upon that basis of affirmation and negation. So if somebody came along and they said they believe in Allah, they believe in Allah, <clears throat> does that make them Muslim? A person comes along and he tells you that they believe in Allah, they believe in God. Does that make them a Muslim? What have they done? They've given you an affirmation. 
have they given you any negation have they said and i don't believe there are other gods to be worshipped or anything maybe they believe there are other gods a christian might come to you and say that he believes in god but he hasn't given you any negation which means afterwards he might add on and say and he also believes there are two other gods there's a trinity so he didn't give you any negation to be tawheed you have to affirm that Allah has the right to be worshipped alone and negate it from all others. You remember once we gave that example about the room and the people standing in the room. That example, as Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen mentioned it. As Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen gave an example to explain this principle of Tawheed. So imagine an example to the lines of, there were some people in this room right now. There are four people in this room right now. There is no window on the door. We can't see them, but there are four people in that office right now. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali. Then I tell you that Abu Bakr is standing up in the room. There are four people in the room, and I tell you that Abu Bakr is standing up. So how many of them are standing up in the room right now then? One, which is... Because I affirmed and I told you that Abu Bakr is standing up. What's Umar and Uthman and Ali doing? Sitting down? Who told you that? Did I say they were sitting down? Did I negate that the other three are standing up? So is it possible the other three are standing up too? Very possible. If I say to you there are four people in the room, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali. Abu Bakr is standing up and that's it that's all I say so now we know for definite there is at least one person standing up but what are the other three doing maybe sitting maybe standing did I do any negation did I say and the other three are not standing up I didn't do that so that there isn't classed as Tawheed I haven't done any Tawheed in that saying Abu Bakr is standing up. I need to do that and do the negation. So if I do that, I say Abu Bakr is standing up. Umar, Uthman and Ali are not standing up. Now, how many people are standing up? One, because I gave you affirmation he's standing up and I gave you negation about all of the rest. Only when you do both of them, can you make something single and unique? If I just say, there's no one standing up, so I've given you a negation. But then where's Tawheed? None of them are standing up now. Negation. If I give you just affirmation, it doesn't negate the others. So to get Tawheed, you have to affirm and negate. And it's very important. Because many people... They will give you the affirmation. They will say, yes, absolutely. They believe in the worship of Allah. They believe that you have to worship Allah. <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they don't understand the negation part. So even though they'll say to you, yes, we believe in the worship of Allah. You have to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
They still don't understand negation, so they still end up going to the graves and doing tawaf around the graves. Prostrating to the graves, calling upon making dua to the dead people, help us, help us in the graves. That, all of those things, they are supposed to have done the negation about them. Your worship is to Allah alone, not to the dead people, to the graves, to the jinn, to anybody else. But many people don't understand that properly. So the basis of Tawheed is affirmation and negation. That is how you make something single and unique. If you say that you are upon Tawheed, you're worshipping Allah alone, it means you affirm the worship to Allah, you make your worship for Allah, and you negate your worship from anyone else besides Allah. The mushrikun at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, did they believe in Allah? Yes. But did they negate their other gods? No. And that's why they did not enter into Islam. They believed in Allah. But they didn't negate their other gods they believed into. So they did their worship to Allah and to those other gods. They split between Allah and the other gods. They didn't negate the other gods. And so they were not Muslims. Even if they believe in Allah and Allah created them and Allah provides for them and Allah created the universe, they are not Muslims because they do not negate all of the other partners alongside Allah that they claim. So that is the basis of Tawheed, affirmation and negation. Then when you look at the other aspects in detail broken down, there are different parts of Tawheed. There are different aspects of Tawheed. So there is, for example, Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, the Tawheed of the Lordship of Allah. There is Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah, the Tawheed of the Worship to Allah. There is Tawheed al-Asma'i wa-Sifat, the Tawheed of the Names and the Attributes. These are all different types or aspects of Tawheed. When you talk about Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, then who can explain that very simply then? Who can explain very simply what Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is? That Allah created us, What does it mean though? <coughs> huh? That Allah is the creator, that's it? Sustainer, provider. Hmm? Singling Allah out. When it comes to Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, it is simply ifradullahi bi-af'alihi. That's it. To single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of 
singling out Allah how in his actions there are certain actions that only Allah can do for example Al-Khalq he is the Khaliq the creator of all of the creation all of the universe all of the people so you affirm that Allah is the creator and you negate that anybody else creates alongside Allah this whole universe you affirm only Allah created it and you negate anybody else had anything to do with creating it you affirm this whole world Allah created it and you negate anybody else had anything to do with creating it so that's one example creation as an action that only Allah does other examples providing you say the rizq that we have the food that we have the water that we have who provides all of this rizq for us Allah alone nobody else is providing this rizq for us nobody else is providing this sustenance and provisions for us so you affirm that all of this rizq that we have it is from Allah and you negate anybody else is providing you or giving you this rizq what else that he is the Malik he is the <coughs> the one in authority and control of everything you affirm Allah is the one in control and authority of everything he is the one who decides everything decrees everything you affirm that to Allah those are actions only Allah does and you negate anyone else having anything to do with that giving life and death that Allah alone you affirm is the one who gives life and death and you negate that anybody else can give life and death that the rain comes down upon us and the fruits they grow that only Allah is the one who sends down that rain upon us that is an action of his nobody else so you see there are all these different actions you affirm them that Allah does them and you negate them from all others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is to single out Allah with his actions creating and providing and sustaining and life and death all of these are actions that Allah alone does and you negate them from all others this is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah then when you talk about Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah so that is Ifradullahi what? Al-Rububiyyah Ifradullahi bi af'alih Al-Uluhiyyah Ifradullahi bi Bil-Ibadah or Bil-Ibadah Ukhra you can say Ifradullahi bi af'ali al-Ibadah Al-Rububiyyah Ifradullahi bi af'alihi and Al-Uluhiyyah Ifradullahi bi af'alina bi af'ali al-Ibadah Al-Ibadah that we single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our actions Rububiyyah was singling out Allah with his actions Al-Uluhiyyah singling out Allah with our actions what are our actions then all of the worship that we do Al-Ibadah 
whether it is upon your tongue, whether it is in the heart, whether it is on the limbs, all of that worship you do, just like Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala said, al-ibadah ismun jami'un likulli ma yuhibbuhu Allah wa yardah min al-aqwal wal-af'al al-zahira wal-batina. That it is a comprehensive term, comprehensive, all-inclusive term for all of that which Allah loves and is pleased with, from the statements and actions concealed or open, all of that which Allah loves and is pleased with from statements and actions, whether hidden or apparent, and all of that is ibadah, worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with all of that ibadah, every act of worship we do, <coughs> we single it out, affirm it, that it is done only for Allah and we negate doing any act of worship for anyone besides Allah. That there, very simple. The explanation there, very simple. Al-Uluhiyya is our worship, that we have to single out Allah with our worship. We affirm that we're doing all of our worship purely for Allah, and we negate that we do any worship for anyone besides Allah. Making dua, is it an act of worship? A dua, it is worship. It is in the hadith. A dua, huwa al-ibadah. Dua, it is the worship. One of the highest types of worship. Dua. So if dua is an act of worship, and of course, it's an act of worship when you're making dua to Allah, it's ibadah. It means, therefore, upon the principle we've just worked out now, we've just understood now, it can only be affirmed and done for the sake of Allah. You cannot do your dua to others besides Allah. Very simple. So now if you go to the grave and you make dua to the dead, help us, help us. Is that in line with the principles we've just understood. It means you're now making dua to others besides Allah. If you start making dua, oh Ali, ya Ali Madad, making dua to others besides Allah, it's not in uluhiyah now what you've done. Remember the example about the ship. There was a ship that sunk off the coast of Yemen about 15 years ago. Some people, they survived. Muslims on the ship, so when they survived, afterwards the news people, the journalists, they were asking them what happened when the ship was sinking, what, what was the story. And they were telling them the storm came and the waves came and the ship it sunk. And they said, what was happening when it was sinking? What were people doing? They said, everybody was making dua. Everybody was making dua. The ship was sinking. Everybody was going to die. They were making dua. The reporters asked them, how were they making dua? They said, people were saying, Ya Ali, Ya Hussein, Ya Badawi, Ya Abdul Qadir Al Jailani. He said, This is how they were making dua. So, this is now what they were doing is shirk. That is shirk. 
associating partners alongside Allah. How do you associate partners alongside Allah? By taking your worship and doing it to others besides Allah. If you go and prostrate to somebody now, prostration and act of worship are not. So if you now go prostrate to others besides Allah, it means you're not doing the negation part. You've not negated that this worship can only be for Allah. You've not negated it from others. Every act of worship you do must be done sincerely for the sake of Allah and negated from all others besides Allah. Everyone, including Al-Anbiya, Wal-Rusul, Wal-Malaika. You cannot make dua to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, give me this, give me that. Shirk still. You are making dua to someone else besides Allah. You cannot call upon the angels, Jibreel, Mikael. You cannot make dua to others besides Allah. And that's one example. Al-Dhabh. An act of worship when you slaughter and you cannot slaughter in the name of the jinn or in the name of the awliya as they say or other things. This is ibadah. Ibadah has to be for Allah. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ Allah told us that they were not commanded except to worship Him sincerely. مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ What does حُنَفَاءَ mean? Hanif. What does that mean? Ah, Deen Ibrahim al-Hanifiyyah, which is Tawheed. So Allah has commanded us to be upon Tawheed. You have in the famous hadith, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ That all of your actions are going to be upon your intentions. So if you do not make your intention in your worship for the sake of Allah, you make your intention something else, you're doing your worship for someone else, then it becomes shirk. You're not doing your ibadah to someone else. Any act of worship, if you do it for other than the sake of Allah, then you've broken your tawheed al-uluhiyya. So the second part is tawheed al-uluhiyya, which is singling out Allah, affirming to Allah all of our worship, every part of our worship, and rejecting and negating it from others besides Allah. The third part is what? Tawheed al-asma'i wa sifat The names and attributes of Allah. It's mentioned in the Quran, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the beautiful and perfect names. So call upon Allah with those names. Allah has many different names. Even in Al-Fatiha, when you see the different names of Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. What are these? These are names of Allah. These are all different names of Allah. So Allah has many different names. All of them are absolutely perfect and beautiful names. They are at the pinnacle, the raya, as they say, in the, the, the beauty and the perfection of those names. There is no deficiency. There is nothing of any shortcoming in the names and attributes of Allah. 
So then, when it comes to Tawheed of Al-Asma'u Wa-Sifat, it's the same thing. We affirm those perfect, absolutely perfect and beautiful names and attributes to Allah. And we negate that anybody else can have those perfection of names and attributes as Allah does. But the Mushrikun, what did they used to do? They never used to do that negation. They used to take the names of Allah and they used to name their idols with those names. So the name of Allah, Allah. The Mushrikun, what did they do for their idol? Allat. This is Mushtaq from the name Allah. They made that name from there, the female version, Allat. That was the name of one of their great idols they used to worship. Al-Uzza from Al-Aziz and Al-Manat, Al-Mannan. They take these names from the names of Allah and they do this distortion in them. They change them and they give them to their idols and deities. Haram to do that, impermissible to do that. It shows you have not understood the reality of Tawheed al-Asma'i wa-Sifat. Also, when we talk about this topic, one of the common things that always comes up with regards to the names and attributes of Allah is how many names does Allah have? How many names does Allah have? 99? But we have the Fatwa, Fatwa al-Maghrabiyya, 99. Anything else? Okay. Anything else? Allah knows best. Allah alam. But what about the hadith in Bukhari, Muslim? Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een isma man ahsaha dakhal al-jannah. Shoyi, stinna. So there is a hadith in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim. That indeed Allah, Al-Bukhari, a Muslim. Indeed Allah has 99 names. Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een isman. That indeed Allah has 99 names. Man ahsaha, yani the one who memorizes them and acts upon them. Dakhal al-jannah. Ahsaha, yani hafidaha wa amila biha ahsaha. That he memorizes those names, he understands the meanings of those names, he acts upon those names. Yani, for example, you know Allah is al-sami' or al-alim. You know Allah is al-alim. That Allah has knowledge of everything. So what do you do? You make sure you don't do sins. Because if you know Allah is Al-Alim. So now you're acting upon the names. But now this hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. It is telling you Allah has 99 names. Whoever... Khaskir. Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'in isman. Okay, so there are nine in this hadith. It mentions that there are 99 names. Whoever learns them, memorizes them, acts upon them, enters paradise. This does not mean it doesn't indicate restriction, it just means as long as you memorize 99 of them, 99 from them learn them practice them then you are in this hadith of entering paradise 
But there are more. But how do we know there are more? Quran? How Quran? What do you mean? So there is one hadith which is an example. There is a hadith about the dua that you make in the time of hizn when you're in some grief, you're in some difficulty, some anxiety. There is a dua that the Prophet told us to make. In that dua it mentions, As'aluka bi I ask you by every name that you have, the names that you've told us about, the ones you haven't told us about, except the ones you revealed to your prophets or upon your books, etc. But the key point is, and then later, So there are some names that Allah has kept in Ilmul Ghayb we don't know. How many names has Allah kept in Ilmul Ghayb that we don't know? Don't know. So that means it's impossible for us to say Allah has exactly this number of names. Because there are some names Allah hasn't told us yet. There is another hadith which is the Dalil also. Now, hadith of the Shafa'ah. When the Prophet ﷺ does the Shafa'ah Yawm Al-Qiyamah, he mentions that he goes to the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he falls down in prostration. <coughs> then Allah says to him, raise your head and make the intercession at that time the Prophet says that at that time it is made known to me types of praise that I did not used to know before types of praise in the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so there are more names to be known yet. So we cannot say Allah only has 99 names. The hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim doesn't mean only 99. It just means if you learn 99, that's enough for the hadith to enter paradise. Some scholars in the past, some of them already found more than 99 in the Quran and the Sunnah. There were some scholars who found like 130 others they found 120 something others 115 more than 99 some scholars they already found them in the Quran and the Sunnah so it's a big mistake some people they think it's only 99 hadith in Bukhari Muslim but it doesn't mean only 99 there are more outside of that too there is one hadith as well where it says, Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een asma' Man ahsaha dakhla al-jannah wahiyya And then it lists all of the names in the hadith. But that one is da'if. The one that says, Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een asma' Man ahsaha dakhla al-jannah wahiyya And then it gives you the list. This hadith is da'if. The sahih one, Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een asma' Man ahsaha dakhla al-jannah That's it. Finished. The list of all of the names in that other hadith, it's not an authentic one. So that is regarding the names of Allah. The attributes, the sifat, the
الصفات of الله سبحانه وتعالى again every name of الله every name of الله يشتق منه you have to derive from every name a صفه so Allah's name is الرحمن this means the صفه of رحمه Allah's name is العليم the sifa, علم, السميع, السمع. Every name of Allah has an attribute, a sifa. The people of innovation, Ahlul Bid'ah, they reject this. Ankaruhada. They say Allah is Ar-Rahman bila rahmah. Al-Alim bila ilm. They don't accept the attributes. So they say Allah has the name Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, but it doesn't have the sifat. And this is misguidance. How can you say Allah is Ar-Rahman bila Rahman? Impossible. This is impossible. So these are the names of Allah. Every name has an attribute. Another thing to remember there are some attributes, some sifat, which don't have names. So what does this mean? Are there more names or more sifat? There are more sifat. Babu sifat min Because every name, the kullis min sifat, but not the other way around. Not every sifa has a name. So there are some sifat of Allah, but you don't give the name. So for example, Al-Kalam. Is that a sifa of Allah? Absolutely, Allah speaks. Allah speaks. You cannot say Allah does not speak. Allah speaks in the hadith. مَا مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا سَيُكَلِّمُهُ رَبُّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ لَيْسَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَهُ تَرْجُمَانِ Allah speaks, kalam, sifatullah. But do you say one of the names of Allah is al-mutakallim? No. So the sifa is there, but the name isn't that way. But every name always has a sifa that way. That is one basic rule. The other basic rule we have to remember when it comes to names and attributes, and don't worry if this is slightly confusing yet, the whole book we're going to start next week will slowly explain all of this every week as we go along. The other thing to remember when it comes to al-asma'u wa-sifat is four important rules. With al-asma'u wa-sifat, as Shaykh al-Islam said, Nasifullah bima wasafa bihi nafsahu. We describe Allah with whatever he described himself with or his messenger described him with. But there are four things we cannot do with names and attributes in the Babul Asma'i wa Sifat. There are four things you cannot do. Number one is Ta'atil. Ta'atil meaning rejection. You cannot reject any of the names and attributes of Allah. Ahlul Bid'ah, they do that. The Mu'attila, they don't accept the names and attributes of Allah. 
But Ahlul Sunnah, we do not do ta'atil of any of the names and attributes. We accept. Secondly, tahrif. <coughs> hmm? In the order, tahrif. Secondly, a tahrif, and that means changing and distorting. So Ahlul Bid'ah, they do tahrif. So for example, it says in the Quran, many places that Allah rose above the throne they say no because they want to reject that Allah is above they want to say Allah they don't want to say so what do they do تحريف. they say they add the extra alam the extra lam. So instead of istawa, they say istawla. Instead of istawa, istawla. And changes the meaning. Changes the meaning altogether. Istawla meaning to conquer, that Allah conquered. Okay, Allah conquers. That doesn't, that doesn't prove then that Allah is above. That's, they're happy with that. They just want to say Allah conquers. They don't want to say Allah is above. So they change istawa to istawla. Another example, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا This means what? وَكَلَّمَ That's the fi'l. كَلَّمَ اللَّهُ لَفْضُ الْجَلَالَةَ الْفَاعِلِ مُوسَى مِفْعُلْ بِهِ كَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا أهل البدع in their tahrif, they don't want to say Sifatullah kalam. The kalam is the Sifatullah, they don't want to say it. So what can they do? كَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا They say no. كَلَّمَ اللَّهَ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا From مَرْفُوعَ to منسوب. Because now in نَحُو كَلَّمَ the فِعْل كَلَّمَ اللَّهَ مفعول به. موسى الفاعل يعني موسى كلم الله Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't speak to Musa Musa spoke to Allah So they can do Inkar of Sifatul Kalam to Allah. Kalam Allahu, Kalam Allaha. One Dhamma to one Fatha. This is why the Salaf, when the Ahlul Bid'ah used to come and they say, We want to recite Quran to you, they say, I'm not listening to Quran from you, from Ahlul Bid'ah, because of Tahrif. Then also the third ones, you mentioned them, Takyif. Takyif is to give a description to the names and attributes of Allah. So Allah tells us, for example, uh, from whichever attributes that you may mention, that Allah is al-basir, that Allah is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. Do we say that the hearing of Allah is like how we hear, and Allah seeing is how we see, or do we give any other description how Allah sees? It's like when Al-Imam Malik, he was teaching a lesson once about Thumastawa ala al-Arsh. A man came in and he said, Kayfastawa. Al-Imam Malik was talking Thumastawa ala al-Arsh, giving the sharh of this. A man said, Kayfastawa. Al-Imam Malik, what did he say to him? Famous this riwayah. What did Al Imam Malik say? 
Al-istiwa, he said to him, Al-istiwa ma'lum. Wal-kayf majhul. Wa as-su'alu anhu bid'a. Walakin al-imanu bihi wajib. This is the answer. Al-istiwa, that Allah rose above the throne, we understand that, that Allah rose above the throne. How does Allah rise above the throne? We don't know. Can we start asking how does Allah do that? It's a bid'ah to do that. Why? Because the companions, the salaf, never ever asked about these things. Kayfa hadha wa kayfa this and kayfa that. Kayfa yastawi and all these different. Never. Never. So it's a bid'ah to go into that. وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا As Allah said, you've only been given a little bit of knowledge. كَيْفَ اسْتَوَوْا We don't know. But, الْإِيمَانُ بِهِ وَاجِبُ We believe. ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْعَرْشِ We believe that. This is how it is. You don't try to make imagination. كَيْفَ اسْتَوَى You try to imagine and think. How does Allah rise above the throne and how does Allah look like? You cannot do that. So, تَكْيِيف Not allowed. The fourth one, Tamthil. You could say Tashbih, but Tamthil is the better word. Because in the Quran, Allah said, Laysa kamithlihi There is nothing like Allah. So you cannot compare Allah to anything. You cannot compare Allah to us in creation. You cannot say Allah, His attributes are like our attributes. You cannot say that. There is no comparison between Allah and creation. But then somebody might say, some of the attributes of Allah, some of the sifat, we have those, like Allah told us, it's in a hadith or in the Quran or various places, it talks about the attribute of the hands. Does it not mention in the revelation that Allah created Adam with his own hands? But can we start then imagining that Allah has hands like we got hands? Never. You can never imagine that. It's impossible for anybody to ever be able to imagine Allah. So just because some of these attributes are mentioned, we believe in them. Allah says He created Adam with His own hands. Then Allah created Adam with His own hands. But what do those hands look like? We don't know and you can't start asking that or start imagining that. Impossible for us to imagine or ask those things. So we don't make any comparison. And that's easy to understand really. Because when we say, Shaykh al gave the same example again. He said, when you say the word leg, for example, a leg, what does a leg look like? What's the description of a leg? Simple thing, a leg. What's the description of a leg? So with a leg, everybody knows what a leg is, your legs. But if somebody said to you, describe leg to me then, describe to me what a leg looks like. If somebody says to you, well, it's maybe about three foot long, uh, 20 inches of meat on it, has a knee bone, this, that, the other, describes to you the human leg. So that description is an accurate description, true? It's an accurate description of a leg. Somebody else puts their hand up and says, actually a leg never gets longer than two, um, four centimeters. There is no such thing as a leg longer than four centimeters. 
It's only a barely a centimeter in diameter. It's this, it's that. Gives you a description like that. Accurate description or not? Very accurate. He may be talking about some type of insect. The leg of an insect. The leg of a chicken. He says it's like a pencil. He says a leg looks like a lamppost in the street. Accurate description or not? Absolutely. Maybe he's talking about a giraffe. So you could have one word, the word leg. And already you can see there's going to be a hundred, a thousand different descriptions for that same word. Same word, thousand different descriptions. Because if you're talking about the leg of an ant, completely different description to the leg of an elephant. The leg of a cat, completely different to the leg of some other animal. Some animals, the bones are different in their legs, backwards, forwards, this way, that. All different descriptions of legs. But the word for all of them we say, leg. So just because the word is the same, does it mean the description is the same? It doesn't. So just because Allah gives us these words now about his sifat, his attributes, it doesn't mean that they are the same as our attributes at all. That's easy to understand. In this world, we can use a word and it has so many different meanings. Then how do you think is going to be the difference in description between us and the creator? So we affirm the attributes, but we don't make any comparisons. They are the four things you cannot do. Do not reject. Do not distort and alter and change. Do not give descriptions and do not make comparisons. So that is a brief introduction into that issue of Aqidah and Tawheed. Next week we'll begin with the book. There was somebody, anybody has a copy of the book? You can show people. That's the English book. Just turn it around. The Sound Creed. That is the book we're going to be doing, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, from the beginning to the end, we'll go through all of the chapters. And it will go through the pillars of Iman. It talks about the angels and all different things about the angels, about the books that Allah revealed, the old previous books as well, the Bible, everything. All different topics come into that. So a Muslim properly understands what the six pillars of Iman are, understands the pillars of Islam, understands what his aqidah, his Iman is supposed to be. So we'll go through all of those, inshallah, one by one. And if you have any questions, write them down. Make a note of them right now in your phones or wherever. And save them till next week. Inshallah ta'ala. Because we've run out of time. I do have to go to another one. But save your questions. Revise over this. It's recorded. It's on the website. Alhuda.com. This lecture, it's recorded. All the lectures we do, they get recorded. They get put onto the website. Alhuda.com. So go to alhuda.com, revise this lecture, anything that comes up in your mind, didn't understand this part properly, that part properly, make a note this week, at the beginning of next week, we'll take all of the questions first, inshallah. So revise it this week, and then next week we'll start with any questions, any queries, and then we'll go into the book, inshallah ta'ala.